Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Today we're gonna be giving you part two of a live talk I gave right here in Greenville, South Carolina, entitled A Beginner's Guide to Grace and Justification. As most of you know, I've recently written a book in light of the Protestant Reformation's 500th anniversary, the end of October 2017. And also, I've been doing a number of broadcasts right here on Faith and Family teaching about grace and justification. But I also realize that it's so important to have a foundation and to define what we mean and get to the very basic questions. And that's what the broadcast last week, as well as what you're going to hear today as part two of that live talk I gave, will give you the foundation of what you need to understand grace and justification. Let's go to the talk. What has caused five centuries of confusion over this? Okay. Now, here is something really significant that, let's just say, I was doing a talk here in the area on justification, and I had 12 students from Bob Jones University with their Greek New Testaments, and one of the professors that was one of the heads of the Ph.D. program there, okay, he didn't get this. You are right now. Protestants and Catholics have a different definition of justification. And he kept saying to me, you're switching definitions. I said, no, I'm not switching. I'm trying to very faithfully give you the Protestant definition of justification and faithfully give you the Catholic definition of justification. He wasn't even aware... And you're talking about the man who's the head of a Ph.D. program in theology that the Catholics had a different definition. And so when Catholics saying certain things need to follow faith in order for justification to work in a person's life, well, his definition is this. It's faith alone, even though that's not in the Bible. Okay, It's faith alone, and that at the very beginning of your union with God, you come to God in faith, recognizing that your righteousness has to come from Him, this is all good, and then you trust in God, okay, but then that's it, period. That's justification. It's the initial first contact, so to speak, with grace, and it's essentially a legal declaration. And in fact, I have a Protestant apologetics book written against Catholics in my office, and it has on the cover a courtroom, because that's the setting in Protestant justification. God is a judge. You are guilty, unrighteous. You come into the courtroom. God the judge proclaims you righteous or justified through a legal declaration, and you can go on your way. Now, that is actually not wrong. There are aspects called the judicial aspects of justification, but that's not the whole story. And if you go back to that 1996 section of the Catechism, after it says our justification is by the grace of God, it goes on to speak about our being made children of God. Now, this is where it really gets great. I mean, really great. Because Catholic justification, it doesn't deny the legal aspects. So there's not a war there. But is there something more? 
And essentially, God is not the judge in Catholic justification. He's the Father. Okay? And if you're unrighteous, you're the prodigal son. Coming back to the Father. That's Catholic justification. And even the Council of Trent has a tiny little paragraph summarizing what Catholics believe about justification. I stared at that for the longest time because that's not justification. No, that's not Protestant justification. It isn't. Now, Protestants believe in God the Father and becoming a child of God, but they have it's nothing to do with justification. Okay? But that's the very center of the Catholic notion of justification. That God is a Father and... Through the work of Jesus, you're restored to God's family. And, you know, Protestants and Catholics are not very far away if you take Protestant justification, which is just the first moment, and what theologians call first justification, the first moment of justification, is by faith. Faith is the root and the ground of justification according to Catholic teaching. But because you become a child of God, just like a child enters your family, that's not the end of it. You don't leave the baby in the hospital, don't you? You bring them home, and then hopefully they grow up and mature. Well, that's the Catholic faith. And so Catholic justification will go on from that first moment to include your entire Christian life. And so Catholic justification covers all things. Now, here we are, and I ask this, and everybody knows this, but I ask, how much of a book or a thesis or even a high school term paper is supposed to be devoted to the theme. It's easy. The whole thing. I mean, that's why you're going to get downgraded pretty quick. Okay? Well, it's universally agreed between Protestants and Catholics, the verses I read to you, Romans 1.17, Romans 3.28, that the theme of Romans is justification. Okay? Well, after we read that, we have a couple of chapters, one and two, Saying how everybody in the whole world is unrighteous and in need of justification. Okay? Catholics and Protestants agreed on that. And then St. Paul talks about justification by faith, chapters 3 and 4. But start talking about Abraham, the father of the faith. I'll come back to that in a minute. But that's it. Protestants believe that's St. Paul's teaching on justification in Romans 3 and 4. Now, this is Paul's perhaps most exquisite epistle, theologically dense. And you're saying that the theme only applies to a handful of chapters rather than the whole book? Because, see, Catholicism will go on and say things like chapter 5 of Romans. It says we were children of Adam, now we're children of the second Adam. We were part of Adam's family, now we're part of God's family. We get to chapter 6 and baptism is a part of that. Why? Because baptism, we become children of God. Chapter 7 says you can't do it yourself. That's the Home Depot way of salvation. You can do it, God can help, that doesn't work. That's what Romans 7 is about. And then you get to chapter 8. But those justified by faith receive the Holy Spirit to confirm in the depths of their being that God the Father loves them. And spontaneously, the first Roman Catholics were going around saying, Abba, Father. Abba is just Aramaic for Daddy. God is my Father. God loves me. There's only two places outside the Gospels where Abba, Father, is mentioned. Galatians and Romans, the two epistles talking about justification. 
and Catholics. Now, Protestants believe in our adoption becoming children of God. They just believe it has nothing to do with justification. So if you want to fault the Catholic Church's beliefs on justification, it's that they just use more of the Bible than the Protestants do. That's the difference. That's the essential difference. And it's a profound difference because you start cutting off different things. Let me give you what I did to lead Catholics out of the church. I read to you Romans 3.28. I already told you how I worked that one, right? We know that justification by faith alone, as Romans 3.28 says, and we don't turn that one. We'll turn some other scriptures, but we won't turn to that one. We want to turn to that one. But here's the one that I used, and it's amazing. It worked very well, I'm, I'm ashamed to say. But in any case, Ephesians chapter 2. Try to find Ephesians, because this one's pretty important. And I can help you with somebody who can quote a hundred Bible verses and run around you with all the quoting scripture and everything, if you just know a few of these places to go, and Ephesians chapter 2 would be a great place to go. And I can't tell you how many times I have heard an evangelist, Protestant evangelist on TV, a Bible teacher on TV, a crusade leader, a Protestant preacher. I try to keep up with what's going on. We'll quote Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says this, For by grace are you saved through faith. Okay? Our salvation comes through grace. We appropriate it for trusting in God's mercy. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And at that point, it's pretty obvious, black and white. We are saved by the grace of God. I would ask the Catholic, does your church teach the necessity of doing works? Yes. Well, it says right here, not of works, lest any man should boast. You are just perverting the grace of God by trusting in works. Now, remember I said a few moments ago that there are two kind of works. Bad ones and good ones, okay? The bad ones that St. Paul is criticizing right here in verse 9 are those that you're trying to please God on your own steam, okay? You're trying to earn eternal life, make God happy by just stuff you do and you just, you're nervous about it. You don't have this trusting relationship with Him, which is the beginning of the Christian faith, okay? So in any case, that was all it took. And it's still going on. It goes on. There are churches with hundreds of Catholics, some of these mega churches. Just these two verses. Now, you'll never hear those leading those out of the church using Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 to mention verse 10, which is part of the same passage. And this is why you want to be able to open your Bible. Just say, well, that sounds interesting. Let's look at that. So let's go and read the whole passage again, starting verse 8, because this is part of the same paragraph. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not of self-generated works, lest any man should boast. This is in full harmony with the Catholic faith. Now, verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's a great harmony here. Okay, There's the good works that Paul is advocating. But he begins by saying, we are his workmanship. In Greek, it's the word related to poem, poema. 
And the idea is, God has a plan for our whole life, for our whole Christian life. And it isn't trying to climb this infinite ladder to try to reach God and His mercy. No, He's come to us with that. And because His love has impacted us, we want to respond in love. And He has a plan for every single Christian. He has a poem. It's all, I mean, I thought... Becoming Catholic was a pretty grand interruption in a Protestant minister's life. But there's a plan for all this stuff. And it'll work together, you see. And it says that God prepared beforehand. God has already kind of paved the way. You know when you go down the highway, you shouldn't do this, but when I was in college, I used to have an old Beetle Volkswagen and didn't have any power, so I would draft semis to be able to go fast down the highway. You shouldn't do it, but in any case, because the, the big work beforehand is gone. And so rather than all of this treadmill kind of trying to do good works, that I'm, I'm going according to God's plan, and, you know, I, I'm not working nearly as hard as when I was striving, but things are happening, and, you know, my neighbors are coming to Mass with me, and or things are going better because I'm doing something with Him. And those are the good works. And there are good works. And there's a necessity of good works. But it's something that God has gone before us. He's planned them. He inspires us to do them. He energizes us to accomplish what he has planned. And then, to top it off, he rewards us for it. So that's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Now, I like to take you to the heart of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And I think the heart of the Catholic faith. By the way, very few authors will do this, and I haven't figured out how to do it. But C.S. Lewis did this. There's a book, That Hideous Strength, that opens and closes with marriage. And there's this whole spiritual battle goes up and down in this young couple's life. And their marriage basically parallels their relationship with God. And no one but Lewis could just start with a marriage and end with marriage after this whole apocalyptic scene and everything. So in any case, do you think that Cardinal Schornborn and Cardinal Ratzinger were just flipping a coin and said, yeah, what, what's the first word we should use in a catechism? Anybody have an idea? You know, just toss one out, put it in some computer to generate, you know, like the lottery numbers, you know, how do we... Now, I think they were clever enough to use the word Father. That's the first word in our catechism. And it goes like this. It's quoting Jesus. Father, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's the Catholic faith. And knowing God as Father is the center of justification. It is the center of the message of the New Testament. It is the center of the teaching of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. If I go back to 1996, remember 1996? Let me get there real quick. 1996, our justification comes from the grace of God. But it doesn't end there. It says grace is favor, the free and undeserved help. That's what takes the faith that God gives you, though you don't deserve it. That God gives us to respond to his call to become what? Children of God. That is, you know, if you're watching an Olympic sporting event, that's the 10 out of 10. That's the perfect, that's it. 
and children of God, adopted sons and partakers of the divine nature and of eternal life. Let me tell you, you know, talking about poema, uh, I'm a very patient person. You can ask my wife, Karen, my kids, they'll all tell you. Uh, I like a zoom, zoom, zoom. But in the spiritual life, it's not always zoom, zoom, zoom. And this was probably three decades ago. I was reading a book by one of the better known evangelical theologians by the name of Dr. J.I. Packer. He was an adjunct professor at my seminary. And he wrote a book entitled Knowing God, which became a classic. It's got the gold seal of the best evangelical book of the year, decade, or whatever. But in that book, he said something that really caught me off guard. Because I thought this guy had a pretty good handle on everything he was talking about in the book. But he came to a, a section and he says, See what a person makes about having God as their father. And that's how well that person knows the message of the New Testament. And, you know, I could read the New Testament in Greek. I could give you the Trinity. I could hang upside down in some hanging bars and give you the definition of the Trinity. But, you know, a, a real vital picture of God the Father, I didn't have. And I can remember kneeling in my pastor's study and, and saying, God, I obviously missed something. And I asked him to show me God the Father. Little did I know, last 25 years, been working with Catholic fathers. I just thought I was doing it because it needed to be done for family life. And that obviously fatherhood is connected with the fatherhood. And this question has led me to see that, I mean, the Catholic Church absolutely nailed it. I can't tell you. I mean, I, you know, be without for 20 years and then get an answer. You know you've got an answer. And the idea that you should leave the Catholic Church in order to have a personal relationship with God. No. Knowing God. Dr. Packer's book is in the first sentence of the Catechism. Knowing God as Father and Jesus Christ whom sent. That's it. And that's a part of justification in Catholic teaching. That's a part of the Epistle to Romans. Abba, Father. That's a part of the letter to the Galatians. And let me tell you, that's the great news. <laughs> Remind you of the bad news, because we need to be pretty serious about this. I'm very, very concerned with young people in the 21st century, young Catholics, to stay in the faith. If you read Galatians, the young Catholics in Galatians had started with grace, and they knew their justification was by grace. And as a result, how did you get pagans to make such a radical change in their life? Well, we love because he first loved us. And the Holy Spirit, in a very specific way, would convey the love of God the Father to these people. And the early Catholics had, this was the normal Catholic experience of getting a real handle on the love of God that the Holy Spirit brings. But St. Paul says in Galatians, if you've begun with the Spirit, because the Spirit only comes when you trust God's love. If you're doing it yourself, instead of the fruits of the Spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, St. Paul says works of the flesh and fornication, division and drunkenness and all that other stuff, comes out in the lives of Christians who are trying to live the Christian life on their own steam. And so that's why it's so important to come back to these first things. I would suggest that each of us make a continual part 
of our spiritual lives just to pray and maybe today if you find a quiet moment to ask God the Father to make himself better known to you. Maybe crack open that catechism or it's John 17 where Jesus says, Father, this is eternal life that they may know you. Uh, Knowing God the Father through Jesus Christ, that's the essence of the essence of everything in the Catholic faith. And this isn't climbing any ladder. This is just God delights to make himself known to his children. And part of that is to learn to trust in God's mercy versus stuff you're doing to try to earn God's mercy. Anybody who has been touched by God's mercy will end up doing all kinds of great things. Okay, But it's first being that touch. And to do that, I would encourage if it's only five minutes a day, of reading particularly the New Testament. And and here's the reason. It says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 5, and St. Paul is trying to correct these young Roman Catholics who have just kind of gone, or Galatian Catholics who have gone off. He says, hearing by faith. Okay, so the scriptures we hear or read, okay, and... Reading at that time, by the way, was out loud. So the silent reading was kind of a novelty. It came a few centuries later. But faith comes by this reading. And we need to, as we grow in our faith, we're going to grow in our trust with God. And then that opens the door to the Holy Spirit and God confirming his love for you. So if you don't have a Bible, and even if you do, I don't recommend necessarily a five-pound Bible to hit somebody over the head with if you're having an argument. I love this little Bible here. This is the Ignatius RSV, the Catholic edition, and it has the New Testament and Psalms. Pope Francis says he wishes people keep a small Bible and take it with them everywhere. That's the idea. So that, okay, you're waiting for 55 minutes in your doctor's office if it's a speedy visit. Rather than spending your whole time on your smartphone, how about just giving five or ten minutes to a section of the New Testament? You can go back to your smartphone after that. But this constant nourishment, uh, same thing with young people. This is a great Christmas gift, stocking stuffer, so that the idea goes with you, gets in the backpack, and just a, a little bit of time, but consistently, as faith grows, the relationship in knowing God the Father grows, the life of the Spirit grows, and all kinds of good things happen. And this is a way to keep that nurturing. And don't underestimate. I mean, you know, you can have the abstract knowledge that God loves you, despite what you've said and done and this and that. He will forgive you, and that's particularly why we have a sacrament for dealing with that. But you still need to have faith nurtured because one of the attacks... Uh, St. Paul talks about the shield of faith. You will be attacked at this very point of God's love for you. And nothing can separate you, but you need to kind of dig in on here a little bit. What I would recommend is a gel highlighter. A liquid highlighter that you're normally familiar with will bleed through these thin pages. And you can get gel highlighters at Christian bookstores. You can get them Walmart on occasion. But if there's a particular passage, like 1 John 4:19, we love because he first loved us. Or Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and you want to highlight verse 10. Okay, highlight that. And then there are times in each of our lives 
where life isn't a mountaintop spiritual experience. There's times of depression. There's times of stress. There's loss of a family member. There's health problems. And kind of really throw you for a loop. And you find that even your Bible reading could be rather dry at those times and such. What I would recommend, then just go back and read your highlights. You had a connection with God through your scripture reading in the past, and you just revisit that. And it's a great thing to do if you're kind of going through a tough time. And then finally, it is possible that you can lead a Protestant pastor to the Catholic faith. (laughs) Laymen are a piece of cake, okay? You can do this because, okay, just remember that Bob Jones, I think he was head of the Ph.D. program at Bob Jones. And he wasn't even aware that Catholics had a different definition of justification. All right. If you know these things, and what I try to do in my book is I have a whole chapter on the definitions and how the definitions look uh, like there's basically one step for Protestant justification. But Catholics, there's like eight steps. So you can see that. If you just learn a couple of these things, you can become effective. And the other thing you can do, and I'm not just trying to sell books, but have one ready to give away. My son's working on a ranch in Colorado. He's staying with a really nice evangelical family. And I sent him my book. He opened it, and the wife of the family saw the book and immediately said, Oh, I would like to read that. They know we're Catholics. They know we're trying to live faithfully and loving Jesus. But Catholics don't got this one right. But grace and justification. And so she said, I'd like to read that book. And so one's on the way. I have another daughter who has a lot of Protestant friends. She contacted me yesterday. These are going to be Christmas gifts. You would be surprised because it's just the other side hasn't been articulated. And you can be that vehicle because, honestly, you know who I wrote this book for? This is what I would have wanted 25 years ago. And I knew with the anniversary of Reformation coming up, I had to kind of like, okay, it's time to finish this thing. Because there was no catechism, and Catholics generally aren't geared to think through these two definitions and two sides and such. So it will give you an edge, okay? I hope you take it. You've been listening to Faith and Family, and I'm your host, Steve Wood, and you've heard a talk I recently gave entitled A Beginner's Guide to Grace and Justification. If you'd like to take your understanding of justification up to the next level, I encourage you to get a copy of my book, Grace and Justification, in Amazon. It's available in both print and Kindle. And while you're ordering one, how about a copy for an evangelical friend or family member? Till next time, may God bless you and your family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.